podcast and radio extravaganza. Coming to you live from soupy, rainy, torrential, uh, subtropical Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, hey, I'm here with the fearless, peerless uh, engineer, Mondo. How you doing, Mondo? You staying dry, bud? Man, man I am drenched over here, brother. <laughs> man, it's it's crazy. It's like a monsoon came out of nowhere, buddy. I, I don't yeah. understand it. But, uh, but overall, overall, I'm good. Just, uh, you know, don't want to catch a cold. But I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if this broadcast is uh, interrupted by you know, large, uh, deafening sounds, that's probably just uh, thunder. Uh, if we yeah. go off the air, we probably got struck by lightning. But in the meantime, yeah. you know, we're going to have some time. And, uh, you know, our co-host from the left coast, uh, Aaron Porter, is not with us. He's out where he had hoped to be here. Actually, it turns out that they – uh, we'll hear the story when he gets back. But there's been a supply line glitch out on the uh, solar panel field that he's installing in California. And so he's he actually is unoccupied today. Uh, yeah. But reception is so spotty that he can't call in and, um, you know, You know, that's kind of sad, Nate. Nate yeah. That's kind of sad because if, if anybody should be struck by lightning today, it should be probably him. <laughs> <laughs> But, hey, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll take one for the team, man. So. Yeah. Well, it has, this actually works out to our benefit and the benefit of our listeners because we have uh, with us in Aaron's place uh, one of our <clears throat> favorite local Samson guys, Newton Dominey. What do you say, Newton? Hey, guys. How are you? Glad to be good, here. Good. Good, man. Doing great. Uh, thanks for joining yeah. us, Newton. Newton uh, Newton's sure been Samson. How long have you been a Samson guy now, Newton? You know, I think it's actually – uh, I think last month was uh, four years, maybe three and a half years. Oh, so, oh wow, a little man. while. Yeah, yeah, Long yeah, enough yeah. to know better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, Newton is really an integral part of the group here, uh, a brother that you know we've come to lean on and love. Uh, despite his youth, he's a relatively <laughs> young guy, uh, and uh, yeah, and he owns a climbing gym. Where you know I'm climbing every day, so I see you every day over there, Newton. Um, we have to run him out. We have to run Nate out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's my idea of fun. Is uh, speaking of getting yeah. struck by lightning. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Newton, thanks for joining us. Uh, we've got a we've got a a great guest coming on later. Following on what has become uh, a theme of late, we'll depart from that a little next week. But we've been talking to a lot of sex addicts lately here on the Pirate Monk podcast, which I guess is good news. You know, all my years of active addiction, I thought I was I was unique. It turns out I'm far from unique. You can't swing a dead cat in uh, any Christian church these days without hitting at least one sex addict, probably two or three, and. Uh, so we've got a guy who's written a great book. We'll help bring some more. He'll tell us some of his story and bring some insight into the recovery process, especially um, this is a, a Christian guy who's going to talk with us about grace. Oh, man, and I am uh, that's the lifeblood of true recovery and true freedom. Uh, but in the, meantime, in the meantime, guys, I'm wondering uh, – uh, I wonder if we can talk a little bit. I've got, a, I've got something to read for you. Uh, but okay, before yeah. I do, before yeah. I do, oh, we, don't, we don't have any mail. Uh, I don't know what's happening. Our listeners apparently have lost uh, the email address. They don't know. Apparently, so. apparently. Yeah. What is 
Nate, what is the email address? Well, uh, the best one is samsonpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, however, we also receive uh, letters at piratemonkradio at gmail.com. So, uh, you know, send, send those cards and letters. Uh, the, uh, the kudos, the hate mail, it really doesn't matter. Uh, anything you would like us to bring up on the podcast, go ahead and write it in. Or make sure to address the hate mail to Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, dear, you know what? Aaron's going to light us up when he gets back. You know that, right? <laughs> I, 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 I know. This is great, man. He's not here to defend himself. We can just rag on for an hour. I'm just hoping that today I don't create a reason for Aaron to get an emergency phone call for next week. <laughs> that's, that's my only goal today. <laughs> uh, Wait. You know, Nate, we do need guys to to write into us about uh, suggestions and ideas for the podcast. You know, we had some uh, some guys who were wondering about the the live version or the 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 current version we do or the old version. You know, so yeah. we want to get some feedback concerning that too. So, you know, guys, if you're listening, you know, hit us up, give us your feedback on our current format versus our old format, so we can chew on those things and see what we need to do. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, the ladies can write in too. Turns out we have we have a, a large number of female listeners. So, okay, uh, well, males and females. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to hear from them as well. Yeah. Um, say, guys, uh, I wonder if we can talk for just a little bit about money. Not not okay. money for the not money for the podcast. Thank God, the podcast. Uh, our <laughs> listeners, are, our fantastic listeners, are just uh, uh, covering the cost of this and. Uh, uh, and this is not a money-making thing. None of us are getting paid, okay. except Aaron, of course. Aaron is taking thousands of dollars from the podcast, but the rest of us are doing it for free. Um, <laughs> i got to talk to Jay about that. <laughs> um, uh, I, um, uh, you know, money is an issue, still an issue for me. Uh, and I've come to discover that it's not unconnected uh, to, my, uh, to my issues with uh, lust and sex. It's lust in a different form. Um, and that the same personal traits, the character defects that led me into so much disaster around lust and sex um, also have implications for money. Uh, primarily, um, I... I I have this uh, tendency toward impulsivity, uh, going with what I want to do at the moment without thinking ahead uh, to, to what I'm going to feel like or what this is going to produce or uh, what choices it's going to eliminate for me in the future. Um, that certainly was a pattern during my years of uh, active addiction. Uh, when I was acting out sexually, um, you, you know, I, I, I never left any of those places that I went to saying, gosh, that was a that was a good idea. I'm glad I did that. That's terrific. Um, the, the experience always on the far end was negative. I left feeling emptier. I, I, I left covered with shame and regret. I left poorer uh, in many ways. But somehow, when it 
when um, the cycle restarted and I was once more headed in the direction of, uh, you know, illicit sex, I wasn't I, – I didn't have the capacity or the wisdom at that point or the discipline to fast forward the tape and think about what it was actually going to be like one hour or two hours three hours or three hours from now. All I was thinking about was that hit that I could get in this present moment. Well, that's a character trait. And uh, I found that even uh, when I received the gift of uh, sexual sobriety, began to walk with other guys and got some sanity in my life around sexual behavior, that character defect still uh, had implications in other areas including and certainly uh, perhaps primarily in the way I um, instinctively want to handle money. Um, I remember in early recovery, you know, the, the, you know, my sponsor saying, look, Nate, before you do anything, fast forward the tape, see where it's going, and then decide, is that really what you want to do? Um, but I have always tended in uh, in handling my money. Uh, God's blessed me with the opportunity and the ability to make money. In, and, and really, compared to a lot of people, a, a good amount of money. Uh, it just has tended to go through my fingers like water. Um, and my spending decisions have been made impulsively. What do I want now? What do I want to do today? Um, and I have not – there were – now, thankfully, um, I have learned to bring brothers into my messes, including this mess, the financial mess that I created for myself. And it's been three years now since I invited some friends in, gave them the whole story, gave them full access. And uh, you know, for the past three years, my financial world has been a model of sanity. That's a gift. Wonderful. Um, but there is still uh, – we're still dealing with um, the consequences of the years in which I was doing it by myself and making impulsive decisions, uh, which means that uh, recently we've been able to have some interesting conversations with the IRS, which turns out to have a very long memory. Um, there were those years when I, I just wasn't thinking about what would happen if I failed to make the monthly deposit to the IRS, what might happen in the long term if I didn't file on time or if I didn't file at all. Uh, living, It's good to live in the present, but not if we lose awareness of the fact that the future is coming. And uh, while I'm grateful for, for – um, you know, the spiritual growth that's come with wiser decisions uh, on the sexual front. And, and lately, I'm grateful for increasing sanity on the financial front. Um, I uh, am still dealing with the consequences of an overly impulsive mind. Uh, before, I got something to read for you later, but before we go there, does that strike anything for you guys? Absolutely, bro. Uh, Newton, go ahead, man. You can you share. You can get them. Yeah, um, and money for me is is really interesting. Um, it's actually one of, I mean, like you, Nate. It's one of my. Uh, it's one of the things that once I got past the 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 porn part, 
It's one of the yeah. things that I noticed uh, that was uh, kind of an issue for me and that I had scripts related to what I do with money, how mm-hmm. I spend money and how I react to money um, that go all the way back to, gosh, I mean, me being a kid and hearing um, my grandparents and my, my mom talking about how my dad uh, wasted money and was just bad with money. And so when they would say that I was like my dad, Mm-hmm. I, I would I would transfer and take ownership of well that must mean I'm bad with money um, yeah so yeah that's it's something that, that even now I I still um, wrestle with uh, I have a hard time going out and spending twenty five bucks without getting permission mm-hmm. um, so it's it's definitely something that I that I have to pay attention to that that I'm allowed to to spend money uh, but I'm also called to be a good steward of money uh, that I'm blessed with. Um, but yeah, whether I, I have it or whether I don't, or whether I'm spending it or I'm saving it, uh, <laughs> money is always something that I'm, uh, that I'm wrestling with and, and it's kind of fun of mind for me. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Mondo? Yeah, man. I, I uh, I've actually found myself, um, in a, in a kind of a revelation year of realizing that, um, like you, that this, this, this approach to, you know, a particular problem in my life and, and addictions and things that I'm dealing with, um, that there's a behavior that's consistent with my, my financial approach. Mm-hmm. And, and so this year, actually, kind of timely you brought that up, man, because uh, this year I'm, I'm making some choices uh, that are unlike me. Uh, mm-hmm. My normal, you know, my, my past behavior, I'm actually uh, doing some extreme things to be smarter and be uh, a better steward with, with the finances of, of my family. And, um, you know, from, from downsizing to uh, leaving the neighborhood we're going, uh, we live in, to a, uh, a cheaper place, to yeah. getting, rid of, getting rid of cable, to getting rid of this, to getting rid of that. I mean, and really looking at what are, what are my needs. Yeah. And let's look at how to get out of, out of debt. Let's look at how to catch up on this. Let's look at how to, how to, you know, have a substantial savings. Yeah. You know, and, and, and yeah. so it's, it's funny you bring that up, man, because I, I'm right in that right now. I mean, matter of fact, we're moving, uh, September. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so we, we just, we just, uh, signed on a place this past week. It, but it's a conviction that's set in because I realized that, you know, that the behavior or the underlying behavior, that little ninja, if you will, that yeah. kind of got, that got me got, that got me in trouble. Um, it's a, that ninja is still around. Yeah, just in a different right. area. And and I'm like, oh crap! <laughs> like, I, I yeah. need to, I need to kick this ninja's butt and get rid yeah. of him. And um, so, <laughs> you know, and uh, so I, def- I definitely resonate with that man because I think we know. I guess we, unless you're just uh, totally driving your family into the ground. We really never label ourselves as being a poor stewards or or we need help. You know, it's that male that male pride yeah. that kicks in. You know, like even even the right. thought of going to an, even the thought of going to an apartment right now for me, to be honest, guys, it's like I'm hurting. Like I can't even. Like, are you kidding me? Like I I don't want to. That's such a move backwards. But you know, but then the other yeah. side of me is saying, you're doing the right thing. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You're yeah. you're restarting. You yeah. have to go back a little bit to move forward in a better in a, in a smarter way. So yeah. So even 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 a decision I made, like I'm giving myself hell about a decision that I made, a good decision. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. So it's it's tough. I'll hear you, man. I'm right there with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's tempting when we talk about lust to define lust solely in sexual terms. And we'll begin to yeah. see some mm. victory there. Imagine yeah. that, that our victory over lust is greater than it really is. When it's Absolutely. really true that my lust, you know, lust is just this desire for I want it and I want it now. Uh, right. And, and more is better. And right. I, I have found that I can transfer lust from sex to food. Uh, yeah. right. It's not uncommon for a guy early in recovery from sex addiction to put on 10 or 15 pounds before he realizes right. that lust has just moved to the plate. Right, right, um, right. Uh, you know, it can, it can turn into a lust for um, material possessions. It can uh-huh. turn into a lust for power. Or for attention, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I, I found I found man that just the, the, like you said, the same way that I have guys in my world, in my in my business, in my mix, uh, I've had to open that my financial world to some some guys too. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it creates another sense of accountability, um, and also a lot of wisdom. To be honest with you, I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hearing some 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 great things from guys are saying, hey, you know, you ever thought about this? Yeah. And and I'm, I'm having to do that. And, and they're teaching me to um, to aim longer at my target and stop being so impulsive to pull the trigger and buy it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Aim, you know, aim, aim longer. You know, look at this aim. Quick, just keep aiming. And, yeah. you, and you'll really figure out whether you need that thing or not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. for me, you know, I know that, I mean, it's it's gotten easy for me to talk to guys about sex and about how I do with that, it's yeah. still hard to talk to guys about money um, oh, yeah. because there's a, there's a different, I mean, there's a, there's a different thing there. Um, yeah. and, and I know I've, I've talked with, you know, my Silas and other guys about this, you know, I feel like in, in my life, you know, as I am, am trying to manage in my addictions and, and my sanity and my, you know, just manage my life. Um, I feel like I tell myself, no, all the time and I'm denying myself, you know, all the time. And so just feeling like I get to say yes to something, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like I can say yes by pulling out my debit card. I can say yeah. yes by buying that thing that I don't need. And so right. it, it becomes just another squirmy thing that I'm trying to manage and I'm yep. buying things emotionally, not buying things rationally. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, I had a crappy day and, you know, not to, like retail therapy sounds kind of dumb, but yep. you know I had a crappy day, and so I'm going by Best Buy and I'm buying a video game, or yep. you know I'm buying a new pair of running shoes or whatever. It's not that you yep. need it; it's that you want to validate. For me, I, I don't want to transfer this. I don't. I don't yep. need something. I want to validate that I'm working hard and that I'm earning something, and so I rationalize buying something by saying, yep. um, I, "I earned this. I deserve this." Uh, yeah. So I don't need it, but I'm going to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely yeah. it's it's no different than the mindset for going out and finding porn or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. man. Absolutely. You know, my my sister last week when I saw her, she uh, you know, she's on a diet right now and doing her thing on a, just trying to lose weight or whatever. And she came to my parents' house, had a a crappy day, terrible day. And because she wanted to feel better, she said, "You know what? I need chocolate." I said, well, is "Chocolate on your diet?" She said, "No." But I had a crappy day. 
I'm like, yeah. well, that shouldn't that shouldn't matter. She's like, well, I don't care. I need to feel better. And she ran to the chocolate, the chocolate chip cookies, and yeah. killed them. You know yeah. what I mean? And I'm like, right. and, and 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 as much as I wanted to back her, I was like, I need to back myself. I'm the same freaking way. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I started thinking about it. You know, of course, I was, as soon as I started, you know, to think about something, you know, as a brother, kind of sarcastic to say to her, I was like, you know what? Let me shut up, man, because. You know, I need a dog myself. I'm the same way with money. I'm the same way with other areas of my life. You know, sure. and and she, all she did was reflect me back to myself. You know what I mean? It was it was yeah. nuts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. Well, uh, I I really agree with you, Newton. I found it much more shameful. It took me a lot longer to talk about money in these safe rooms at Samson Society than it did to talk about sex. Uh, the sex thing, you know, all guys are supposed to have a sexual struggle. But real men are supposed to know how to manage their money. That's kind of what's in my right. head. And, right. and also, I like I like being able to maintain the fiction that uh, because I have revenue, because I have an income uh, coming in, because I own a business, that therefore I am a competent handler of money. <laughs> and uh, right. so I, you know, it helps me feel uh, vaguely familiar, uh, uh, superior to other guys. Uh, it was very hard to let that go. Yeah. And I want to tell you, when the IRS uh, landed on us uh, a few weeks ago, I was so glad not to be in this alone. If I'd have been mm. by myself, if I'd have kept this a secret, uh, I would have been so immobilized by fear. Uh, so driven by panic, Lord knows what I'd have done. Turns out yeah. I didn't have to didn't have to be afraid at all. Uh, didn't have to go to porn over it. Didn't have to hire a hooker over it. Didn't have to get drunk over it. Uh, in fact, uh, with um, you know my friends who are much more familiar with this stuff than I am, you know they were putting it in context. I was actually able, uh, you know, talk about it with Allie, laugh about it. Uh, hmm. And it's uh, in that vein that I ran across something that uh, when we come back, I want to read something I just found funny uh, when I was reading one of my favorite authors uh, just a couple days ago. We'll be right back in a second with a gem from Bill Bryson.
And uh, that's our good friends, uh, the Jars of Clay, bringing it. Uh, love that album. Absolutely love that album. Well, a couple nights ago, I was reading one of my favorite travel authors, a guy named Bill Bryson. An unusual book actually came out uh, around 1999, I think. It's called I'm a Stranger Here Myself, Notes on Returning to America After 20 Years Away. A bunch of very short chapters in it. Uh, and this one I just love. It's titled Your Tax Form Explained. Uh, I was drawn to it right away because I, we've gotten so many um, contradictory instructions from our fine federal bureaucracy. It seems as though the right hand doesn't know that the left hand exists. It, it can be frustrating. So I, I, this, I thought, would be helpful uh, to get some enlightening instruction on uh, how properly to file one's taxes. Enclosed is your 1998 United States Internal Revenue Service Tax Form 1040-ESOCR Estimated Tax for Self-Employed Individuals. You may use this form to estimate your 1998 fiscal year tax if, one, you are the head of a household and the sum of the ages of your spouse and dependents minus the ages of qualifying pets, see Schedule 12G, is divisible by a whole number. Use the supplementary schedule 14-2C if pets are deceased but buried on your property. Two, your gross adjusted income does not exceed your adjusted gross income, except where applicable, and you did not pay taxable interest on dividend income prior to 1903. Three, if you are not claiming a foreign tax credit, except as a, quote, foreign, unquote, tax credit, Warning, claiming a foreign tax credit as a foreign, quote, tax, unquote, credit, except where a foreign, quote, tax credit, unquote, is involved, may result in a fine of $125,000 and 25 years imprisonment. Four, you are one of the following, married and filing jointly, married and not filing jointly, not married and not filing jointly, jointed but not filing, other. Instructions. Type all answers in ink with a number two lead pencil. Do not cross anything out. Do not use abbreviations or ditto marks. Do not misspell miscellaneous. Write your name, address, and social security number and the name, address, and social security numbers of your spouse and dependents in full on each page twice. Do not put a check mark in a box marked cross or a cross in a box marked check mark unless it is your express wish to do the whole thing again. Do not write, search me, in any blank spaces. Do not make anything up. Complete sections 47 to 52 first, then proceed to even-numbered sections and complete in reverse order. Do not use this form if your total pensions and annuities disbursements were greater than your advanced earned income credits or vice versa. Under income, list all wages, salaries, net foreign source taxable income, royalties, tips, gratuities, taxable interest, capital gains, air miles, and money found down the back of the sofa. If your earnings are derived wholly or partially but not primarily, and wholly and partially but not primarily, from countries other than the United States, if uncertain, see USIA leaflet 212W, countries that are not the United States, 
or your rotated gross income from Schedule H was greater than your earned income credit on non-taxable net disbursements, you must include a grantor slash transferor waiver voucher. Failure to do so may result in a fine of $1,500,000 and the seizure <laughs> of a child. Under Section 890F, list total farm income. If none, give details. If you were born after January 1, 1897, and are not a widow or widower, include excess casualty losses and provide carryover figures for depreciation on line 27III. You must list number of turkeys slaughtered for export. Subtract, but do not deduct, net gross dividends from pro rata interest payments. Multiply by the total number of steps in your home and enter on line 356D. On Schedule F, 1001, Line C, list the contents of your garage. Include all electrical and non-electrical items on Schedule 295D, but do not include electrical or non-electrical items not listed on Supplementary Form 243D. Under Personal Expenditures, itemize all cash expenditures of more than $1 and include verification. If you have had dental work, and you are not claiming a refund on the federal oil spill allowance, enter your shoe sizes since birth and enclose specimen shoes, right foot only. Multiply by 1.5 or 1,319, whichever is larger, and divide line 3F by 3D. Under section 912G, enter federal income support grants from the production of alfalfa, barley, but not sorghum unless for home consumption, and okra whether or not you received any. Failure to do so may result in a fine of $3,750,000 and death by lethal injection. If your children are dependent but not living at home, or living at home but not dependent, or dependent and living at home but hardly ever there, and you are not claiming exemptions for leases of maritime vessels in excess of 12,000 tons dead weight, 15,000 tons if you were born in Guam, you must complete and include a maritime vessel exemption form. Failure to do so may result in a fine of $111 million and a nuclear attack on a small neutral country. On pages 924 through 926, Schedule D, enter the names of people you know personally who are communists or use drugs. Use extra pages if necessary. If you have interest earnings from savings accounts, securities, bearer funds, certificates of deposit, or other fiduciary instruments but do not know your hat size, complete supplementary schedules 112D and 112F and enclose all relevant tables. Do not send chairs at this time. Include, but do not collate, ongoing losses from mining investments, commodities and transactions, and organ transplants. Divide by the total number of motel visits you made in 1996 and enter in any remaining spaces. If you have unreimbursed employee expenses, tough. To compute your estimated tax, add lines 27 through 964 and deduct lines 45A and 699F from Schedule 2F if greater or less than 2.2% of average alternative minimum estimated tax for the last five years, multiply by the number of RPMs your car registers when stuck on ice, and add two. If line 997 is smaller than line 90, 998, start again. In the space marked tax due, write a very large figure. 
make you payable to the Internal Revenue Service of the United States of America and the Republic for which it stands, and mark for the attention of Patty. On the back of your check, write your Social Security number, taxpayer identification number, IRS tax code audit number, IRS regional office subunit zone number, unless you are filing a T45 subunit zone exclusion notice, sexual orientation, and smoking reference, and send to Internal Revenue, uh, Revenue Service of the United States of America, Tax Reception and Orientation Center, Building D, Annex G78, Suite 900, Subduction Zone 12, Box 13677-02, Drawer 2, about halfway back, Federal City, Maryland, 10001. If you have any questions about filing or require assistance with your return, please phone 1-800-BUSY-SIGNAL. Thank you, and have a prosperous 1999. Failure to do so may result in a fine of $125,000 and a long walk to the cooler. There we go. So well, that that's was remarkably a, accurate. That was a public service. That was a public We'll be back in a moment here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Podcast. I do hope that you kept close notes on those instructions and that you will follow them. Uh, of course, they've changed completely since 1999, uh, but uh, do what you can. I do hope you <laughs> filed your taxes on time. Uh, we have a host. Uh, no, we have a guest with us, uh, Mike Janung, uh, r- uh, written a terrific book and uh, heading up an exciting ministry, and a guy who, uh, well, I just need to know, Mike Janung, uh, did you file your taxes? Yes, I did, even on time. Holy smokes! <laughs> wow! Wow, you so have... you're the guy. <laughs> um, Mike is the author of a book called The Road to Grace, Finding True Freedom from the Bondage of Sexual Addiction, and a newer book, 100 Days on the Road to, to Grace, a devotional study for the sexually broken. It's got a great website at roadtograce.net, uh, and uh, I guess uh, what's going on at blazinggrace.org is that is that the same website, Mike? Blazing Grace is the ministry website, and we oh, they can download a lot of different resources, and then the uh, Road to Grace is where they can buy the books. Okay, yeah. And one of the terrific things about the Road to Grace site, um, I'm forever being asked for 
current uh, statistics on porn and porn use and sex addiction, all that kind of stuff. And I've found a tough time, uh, you know, gathering and keeping current on statistics. Man, I don't know how you did it, but you put together such a comprehensive and current list of statistics on sex addiction. Great job on that, man. Yeah, thanks. I think a lot of people don't realize how big and how pervasive the problem is. Yeah. And for me, especially, one of my things is trying to get parents to realize they have to talk to kids as early as really beginning of sixth grade because the largest age group viewing porn these days is 12 to 17-year-olds. Yeah. So part of our problem in the church is we wait until the building is half burned up before we do anything about it. Yeah. So yeah, the, thing to, yeah. the thing to do is to be more proactive and start reaching our kids with this stuff before we wait till they fresh their lives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things that was most striking about that, that list, uh, that wonderful list of statistics, was the contrast between uh, the statistics gathered by governmental agencies, sociologists, respectable publications, uh, surveys with teens and adole- uh, you know, pre-adolescents, all that kind of stuff, about the scope of the problem. And it's really, I mean, some of those statistics are just staggering. And then <laughs> the results of, uh, of a survey of pastors and what past- how pervasive uh, pastors think the, uh, the porn problem is in their church. And the vast number of pastors are just completely out of touch. It's bizarre. They just don't get it. Yeah, if I remember right, about 40% of the pastors didn't even answer that survey. Yeah. Um, How many they thought of their congregants were even viewing porn? And the rest of them, most of the rest of them thought that maybe maybe 10% of their congregation had an issue with it. Yeah, 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 possibly. Yeah. And that's and that's crazy cuz you also cite the statistic that 43% of those same pastors accessed porn, you know, I guess recently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, um Mike, tell us a, a little bit about your story. How did you how did you wind up uh with an interest in uh recovery from sex addiction? How did you find yourself in that spot? What it looked like? And uh, just give us a description of the journey. Will you do that for us? Sure. I got hooked on porn in the 70s. I turned 51 last year. And and I discovered that the local 7-Eleven had no problem selling me Playboy. And from there I got hooked. And from there it went to masturbating with porn, to prostitutes, stripper bars, phone sex. Mm-hmm. I uh, picked up an STD with the one-night stand, and the worst part of it was I had a good friend uh, who I worked with in the company um, that I was employed at the time, and he invited me to move in with his house. He had, he was married and he had three kids, and I ended up having an affair with his wife and then broke up their family, and mm. that relationship was a disaster. So I pretty much train wrecked my life by the time I was 23. Yeah. And so I got very depressed and realized oh, my life was a mess. Um, I had also gotten into drugs and all the other, the partying. And I had been raised in a Christian family, but had walked away from all that. So I 
stopped dating girls who weren't Christians and pretty much stopped the bars and the drinking and the drugs, but I could not give up the porn part. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do about it. This was back in the 80s by that time. And then I met the girl who I eventually married. Um, she didn't know that I had a porn issue, and we got married in 89. Um, I thought, like most naive young men, I thought that marriage was going to fix my last problem. Well, what yeah. happens is it makes it worse. Sure. You carry all those false coping mechanisms in your marriage. And so six months after I got married, I was binging every day again on porn. And then a year and a half after we got married, I went on a business trip and committed adultery on her with a prostitute. Mm -hmm. And then um, I called her from the road and told her what I did. And uh, I was pretty dense to how much it hurts our wives, what we do with lust. But when I heard her sobbing on the phone, it finally got through to me that, oh, I've done something really serious here that I could lose my marriage over. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, that was 1991, and then I got into counseling. I got into um, 12-step groups, um, the 12-step group. I attended at a sobriety definition of no sex or self um, outside mm-hmm. of marriage. And then I got a year and a half of that definition of sobriety and lost it yeah and i got three years then i lost it and then after i got that three years i floundered for the, the following three years after that yeah and then at the that by that time it was eight or nine years i'd been searching for freedom and i went on a road trip and looked at porn but did not masturbate so when i came back and talked to one of the guys at the group about it I told him what happened. He said, well, at least you didn't act out, meaning according to the group's variety definition, I was sober because I had not looked at porn. And then all of a sudden the light went on that the 12-step group had now taken me as far as it could and that I was looking for something totally different. Yeah. I wasn't just looking for external freedom just to not look at porn or masturbate or be with a prostitute. I was looking for a clean heart. Because when I compared what Jesus said in Matthew 5 about if a man lusts after a woman in his heart, he's sinned, that did not um, line up to what I was being told was sobriety. Mm -hmm. So the mark wasn't accurate there. And then I realized the 12 steps had taken me as far as I could. And I just broke and I went to God and said, Lord, um, I've done all this stuff. I've done almost nine years of counseling and 12-step groups and conferences and books and it hasn't got me anywhere. So either you're the guy that you say you are who can set people free of this whole Christianity thing as a crock. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then that was January of 99 and then a few months later he just started pulling on me and giving me the idea that what he wanted me to do was just to start seeking him and by mm-hmm. seeking him I don't I don't mean the ritual of prayer and and um uh, reading your bible I mean going after God hard and I started noticing all these verses about if you seek the Lord with all your heart you'll find him and then I realized that what I was hungry for and had been hungry for all my life was God himself yeah and so what I started doing is saying, okay, God, I want to know you. I don't just want to know about you from church. 
I want to know you. And I started, he led me just to set my list of requests aside, to set aside even the request for freedom from sin and just to go after him. And within months, he literally changed my life. There was one morning, June of 99, I was in First John 4, all these verses about God is love, he who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And I got depressed, and I just asked the Lord, why is it whenever I read about your grace and your love, I get depressed? Mm. The words came back immediately, they formed in my mind, because you don't believe it. And then I'll, the, the light went on, and then I realized that all my life I've been in church, read books, read my Bible, and had all this theology in my head. But in my heart, I hadn't really believed that God had loved me as I was, mess and all. Mm. And so what I came to realize that I was a head Christian. I wasn't really a true believer in the sense that I believed that God loved me and then in that moment, it opened my mind. The Lord opened my mind that He did love me, and there was like this flood of joy that just engulfed my heart, and that's what set me free from lust. Wow! You know, I am. Uh, I I love that story. Um, you know, I, I I'm grateful for the start that I got in recovery from 12-step recovery. God really used 12-step and recovery to to save my life, to break through some of the religiosity, much of the religiosity that had insulated me from the gospel. But I must say that what came right down to it, uh, even, you know, AA and SA will say that they are a spiritual program. I'm sure that that means different things to different people. Uh, but I know that for me... Um, you know the key to freedom was was coming to a place of, as you just put it so well um this recognition this dawning recognition that the good news actually is that unbelievably good that um this is not a program of self-help this is not a program of reform it's not a way to rehabilitate myself so that i can be acceptable to god or earn my way back into his acceptance or approval or somehow get back on the good list whatever that is but that God has always loved me has been present with me in the farthest reaches of anywhere I've gone that he loves me um, mess and all that it is that he's the one actually who is impelling providing all the power and even the guidance on this road to recovery that I'm on as the bible says it's it's uh, it's up to him to will and to do of his good pleasure that that work that he began in us he's going to bring to completion that kind of thing uh and to be able to rest to know that I even though I'm so aware and increasingly aware of my own brokenness and my own sin uh, I I do have a righteousness that isn't mine. This 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 uh, alien righteousness, as Luther would call it, that comes as a gift from God, and that God sees me as a son. He's proud of me. He has great uh, overflowing affection for me. Even greater than than the affection that I feel for my own kids in the middle of their own struggles. Um, 
And until I think that until a man or a woman gets to that point of being overwhelmed by grace, can finally take a deep breath and relax and not try to perform or do anymore, let go, uh, surrender absolutely. I think until then, recovery is uh, a just, it's a hard road uh, where we eventually come to the end of our own resources, our own willpower fails us, we get too tired, too angry, too hungry. Um, okay. Well, anyway, you're the guest. I'm not. Um, how does that? Uh, would you say? To, I mean, does that square with with uh, your experience, Mike? Well, yeah, because when I gave up and basically said, "God, all this stuff hasn't worked," um, the problem with me and I find a lot of men is we want to be able to fix things. So we yeah. want twelve steps or the list or what? Do, what do I got to do to get this right? And then when I tried. To work that way, um, everything I do didn't get it right. So now I'm back to, to I have nothing left to do. It's just yeah. God, you're either the one who says he can do it and you can do it, or it's just white-knuckling the externals. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And the, you know, the, the dark side of all that self-effort the white-knuckling thing, where we're just, you know, we're working our tails off, gritting our teeth, is we do get this sense that we're denying ourselves day after day. And what begins to build, at least for me, is this sense of entitlement, this growing sense of entitlement, where, by gosh, I'm going to compensate somehow, somewhere. Uh, Maybe I'm not going to compensate sexually, although in the long run, that's where it goes. Until then, I'll try to feed the beast by, by something else and pacify myself with a reward of a different kind to try to bring peace to my heart. Um, yeah, that's that's very much like what you were what we were talking about earlier in the show with, with yeah. money or food or anything else that you know, you're it, if you're if you're trying to manage the external, you're nailing jello to a tree. Uh, yeah. you know, it's just it's going to come out in other ways. Um, uh, just a, a question for you, Mike. I know that earlier you said that you know you you knew grace in your head and you believed grace in your head, but you didn't believe it in your heart. And I think that a lot of people, um, I know that I, it, it took me a long time to to really believe grace and live grace out. What does that look like for you today compared to, you know, a few years ago? And, and what was that transition like moving from? I guess head grace to heart grace. Uh, that's that's a process I'm still very much in, and um, after God did the work with um, the lust, uh, you know, I thought life was going to be easy after that, and boy, I was wrong because then what he <laughs> did in a very powerful and very painful way is he exposed a lot of pride and um, taught me that I knew nothing about humility. And um, and I, I think, um, and that's another thing what you mentioned about, I think a lot of us know that, okay, we're supposed to be humble by being nice to people, but really true humility is something I think that God has to bring about by suffering. Mm-hmm. And he's done that in my life. And, um, and I think living in that grace comes from um, 
a big part of it has to do with humility, um, realizing really what I am and what I and I am not, and um, learning to to love others and see them as they are instead of judging them or criticizing. Or I think that that's all a piece of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I screw up, of course, just saying, "Okay, God, I screwed up." Instead of taking myself to the cross and trying to beat myself up for it, which is ridiculous. It's not going to get me anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it when Nathan confronted David in the scripture and said, you know, with what he did with Bathsheba, David just said, I have sinned, and that was it. Mm-hmm. He didn't he didn't try and beat himself up or anything like that. And accepting grace and accepting forgiveness is that simple. But yeah. For me, for me, a long time, it was very hard because I would grovel or, you know, upset about the problem and instead of just mm-hmm. saying, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me and then moving on. Yeah. Wow, that's good. Um, tell us about uh, life today for you, Mike, about uh, marriage and about your relationships with other guys. Uh your helping relationships, the way you help other guys and allow other guys to help you. Uh, where is that? Where is that now, and where is it going? Um, well, I've been married to the same woman by the grace of God for 23 years now, and mm. or wait, 24. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have. We'll edit four that part kids. out. This isn't live. All right. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, God did a wonderful work in our marriage. And um, he did, it took a lot of years um, for Michelle for healing, but she, um, one day I asked her some years after I did what I did in 91, have you forgiven me? And she kind of gave me a blank look and didn't know if she really had, so she wrote me a letter. And in that letter she forgave me and she read it out loud and we were both crying when she read that. Mm -hmm. So um, um, that was one of the tenderest moments of our marriage. Yeah. And um, so God has done a lot of healing. Um, our marriage looks great today. Yeah, never better. Um, mm-hmm. I still have areas of growth. I still have the problem of sticking my foot in my mouth from time to time. But the nice thing is, as you get older, hopefully you learn to say I'm sorry quicker and then you keep shorter accounts with that junk. Yeah, right. Mike, Mike. I just learned Jay, to keep I... my mouth shut more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mike, this is Jay. I've got a question. I wanted to jump in here um, uh, regarding asking um, a spouse for forgiveness for because of betrayal. Um, do you have 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 you picked up on the amount of time that might need to transpire before a spouse is even willing to consider uh, forgiveness? I've heard of some spouses that did it. Um, very quickly, I mean, within a couple months, and I've heard of some that it took years or it still hasn't happened. I just think it depends on the woman and the the marriage and the relationship and if the husband's getting, he- you know, healing or not. Yeah. But also, what I tell people is that um, the wife needs to forgive for her own sanity. Yeah. Because if she doesn't forgive, then she's going to have all this pus and bitterness in her soul. But trust and forgiveness are two different things. Trust has to be earned and has to be rebuilt. Yeah. So just because yeah. she forgives does not mean she's required to trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good distinction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
could could one of those precede the other? Do you think one has is a is a prerequisite for the other? Um, I think the forgiveness is probably going to be more for the wife's health and sanity and emotional peace than it's going to be for the husband. Um, and but he's got the trust is going to come from when he shows her by his actions over a long period of time. And so I I don't think that um, trust is going to be an easy thing to earn back. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, now, uh, you live and work where, Mike? Colorado Springs. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, lots of good folks in Colorado Springs. Um, and if our listeners want to get a hold of you, uh, tell us where they can get the books. Uh, and uh, Do you speak? Do you do retreats? Uh, how can they reach you? Uh, if they just go to roadtograce.net, um, they'll have my contact information up there, or they can go to blazinggrace.org, and they can contact me through there, too. And the books are available at roadtograce.net. Okay. All and right. Mike, are you on Twitter? Do you have a Facebook page where people can, can connect in with you? Yeah, we have a Facebook page. So All right. How do they, they find you on Facebook? Pardon? How do they find you on Facebook? Just do a search for Blazing Grace. Cool. And then they'll find it that way. All right. That's a great name, by the way, Blazing Grace. And uh, some cool-looking T-shirts there on the site. I may have to buy me one of those suckers. Pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, Mike Janung, thank you for sharing your journey with us and with the listeners. Uh, It's so good uh, to have uh, yet another uh, brother out there doing great work. Um, our love to your wife. And uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes with closing closing thoughts here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Conversation, I thought. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that would be great. Yeah, good man. Uh, well, 
Time has flown. Can't believe it. We burned an hour. Uh, we gave about 10 minutes of that to the IRS, but uh, yeah. that's <laughs> yeah. their portion. That's right. They would have wanted more. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, if you're listening, you want to make sure and tune in next week. We've got a great guest coming in, Becca Stevens, the author of Snake Oil, The Art of Healing and Truth-Telling. Uh, Becca is an ordained Episcopal priest and the founder of Magdalene House and Thistle Farms, a ministry devoted to helping uh, redeemed prostitutes find and grow in recovery. Great ministry here in Nashville, and uh, that's going to be a wonderful show. Until then, hey, do uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, like us on Facebook, the Pirate Monk uh, radio show, Pirate Monk podcast. On uh, uh, Look us up there on, on Facebook. We'd love to get your cards and letters at samsonpodcast at gmail.com or at piratemonkradio at gmail.com. Well, uh, thanks, Newton, for stepping in for Aaron. Man, I had a blast. It was a lot. Yeah, of you were thanks you were for, much better. Uh, you were far better in. than. Go ahead. I just wanted to say you were far better than he ever has been. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> no, we miss Aaron. Dang it, we got yeah. two more weeks without him. Are you? A, hey, are you available to step in next week too, Newton? Yeah, if uh, if Mondo will bring back Tom Waits, uh, okay. I can I can do that. And it was great to hear the voice of our executive producer, Jay Spiegel, jumping in yeah, to man. ask a couple of really good questions during the interview. Thanks for doing that, Jay. All right. Well, for Jay, for the absent Aaron, for Newton, for Mondo, I'm Nate Larkinson. We'll see you next week here on the Pirate Monk Podcast and Radio Extravaganza. Give yourself